Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. So open up your Bibles if you would this morning or turn on your, um, your smartphone, your device, whatever it is. Turn to the book of James chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 5 I should say. And we're just going to be running through the first six verses of Scripture and then allowing the team from City Point to come and to pray for people. And we're really, really looking forward to that. James chapter 5, verses 1 through to 6. The topic is this. Is it wrong for a Christian to have wealth? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for your word. As we are open it this morning, we just thank you that it's alive and it's living. So we just pray today, Lord, that you speak to every heart individually as you choose to, Lord. Lord, I surrender my heart, my mouth, my words, my mind to you, my spirit to you today. Uh, speak through me in Jesus' name, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. You know, for the last several months, we've been working through uh, the book of James. And, you know, really want to say, so, so enjoyed taking a book of the Bible and working through it chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And uh, this morning, we're going to open up at James chapter 5 as we've done. But before we do that, just a little bit of a recap over James chapter 4 and some of the things that we've been learning. And the first thought we saw in the first part of James chapter 4 uh, was that James was teaching about the importance of submission. In fact, we said a statement like this, submission is the posture of the kingdom of God. That's the first little thought that we got out of James there. And around the topic of submission, we don't like it, but the Bible teaches that we should submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, to esteem others better than ourselves, to obey those who have authority over us, and most of all, submit ourselves under God's authority. So that's the first thing that James brought to us in James chapter 4. And then Suzanne preached last Sunday morning uh, and brought to us out of the book of James in the second part um, a couple of warnings. In the first warning, he brings a warning against slander, slandering, amen. Um, We can call it gossip. Um, uh, um, um, I can't think of another word, but slander. And we had a definition. He warns us against slandering one another. And the definition of the word slander is to speak down in a hostile, deriding way, to mock to revile, detracting from someone's reputation by malice of speech directed against one's neighbor to defame or slander. Fancy Marty Daniel saying, I'm too old to serve. <laughs> trying to slander me, brother. No way. I better be careful because I've seen Jaws and I, just that whole thing of just jumping in the water just does my head in. But, but... So that's the first thing that James warns us again about slandering. The second warning we get out of the second part of James chapter 4 is a warning against judging, that we are not called to judge one another, that God is our judge. In fact, Jesus said, judge not and you shall not be judged. He went on to say that if you do judge, the measure that you use will be used against you. And that's the second part. I really want to encourage you. You can go to the podcast and get that message last Sunday morning. It was a phenomenal message. Really, really encouraging, really, really healthy. And this morning, James now brings us to another warning. We're getting a few warnings as we go through the Word of God. But he brings us to another warning in in chapter 5, and it's around the issue of misused riches. James chapter 5, verse 1, it should be up on the screen. It's in your Bible or on your phone, and it says this, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Wow. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. How encouraging. 
You've heaped up treasure in the last days. Indeed, the wages of your laborers who mowed your fields, which you've kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and in luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Wow. James brings a warning to the church about the misuse of riches. And he forcefully is making the point that wealth is temporary and judgment and eternity are ahead for everyone. Amen? So to pursue wealth and to neglect pursuing God or to trust in wealth as a solution to your deepest needs is sheer folly, absolute folly, to put all your trust and all of your faith in finances over a relationship with God. James says here that it's absolute folly. And what we learn is this. The ungodly rich mistakenly think that they are relieving themselves and their families from hardships through their wealth and possessions. But James says they are storing up misery and hardship for the final judgment. The very thing that they trust in for their comfort now will result in their final ruin. Astounding. Although there are far more dangers that James can list here, he hits on four ungodly uses of wealth. Listen to the first one. In 2 and 3, he speaks about hoarding, gathering up riches for yourself and hoarding, getting a stockpile. Then in verse 4, he talks about cheating people out of money by not, not paying them correctly. Or another thing for us could be not paying the right amount of taxes. He goes on in verse 5, he says, living in luxury while disregarding the needs of other people. All my wealth and all my money is just about me. The, the world and the needs of people around me mean nothing to me because all my wealth is about me. And then in verse 6, he goes on to say, and hurting innocent people for the sake of gain. Astounding thoughts. The problem with the people he's referring to is that their wealth is misdirected and focused on their own desires and pleasures. They were heaping up treasures and abusing their employees. Their wealth had corrupted them. And James is referencing the people in the world, but I believe today it's also a warning to us as well. Amen? Did you know you and I are in the top 3% of the world's richest people? Hello? So I think that this warning, James is referencing it at the world, but I believe that the warning is also applicable to us as well. That we need to understand why we've been given riches and wealth. We, we need to have, a, have a, a good understanding of what it means to guard ourselves from the love of money. So this morning, I want to look at a few questions around the topic of riches and our Christian faith. Because again, the top 3% of the world's richest people sit in this place today. Hallelujah. Doesn't that make you feel good? Hmm? Glory to God. How blessed are we? The topic of money and stewardship are one of the biggest topics in the Bible. How we use or misuse what God has entrusted to us. In fact, 75% of the parables that Jesus speaks on and shared were around the issue of stewardship and management how he looked after the resources that he's entrusted to us. So this morning, a couple of questions this morning. The first one is this. Is it wrong for a Christian to be rich? Is it wrong for a Christian to be rich? Well, I think the better question is this. The question is this. Does God want us to prosper? Absolutely. 
We find it in Genesis chapter 1. It says, go forth and multiply. Possess the land and be fruitful. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, verse 18 says, God gives us power to make wealth. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said he's come to give us life and my life more abundantly. In 3 John chapter 2, uh, John, is, uh, John mentions there, and he uses this word, that even as your soul prospers, many of the patriarchs of the Old Testament were very, very wealthy. You think about Abraham and you look at his life, he was incredibly wealthy. You look at David, King David, incredibly wealthy. When you look at what he gave towards the building of Solomon's temple, I mean, it was astounding the wealth that he had. And the thought is this this morning. God wants us to prosper, but we need prosperity for a purpose. Amen? God wants you to prosper. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to prosper in our health. He wants us to prosper in our, our minds, our soul. He wants us to prosper in our health. Amen? He also wants us to prosper in our finances as well, but to have a purpose for that. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. God wants us to prosper, but we need to have a clear purpose. Amen? We need to have a clear purpose. I believe God wants to bless us, but we need to understand that we are blessed by God so that we can be a blessing to others. You hear that? God wants to bless you. That's our Father, Abba Father. Our dear Daddy God wants to bless us. He wants to lavish us. He wants to pour out such blessing upon us. He, that's His heart. But He wants us to understand that we're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? Amen? Not to hoard it, not to store it all up for ourselves, but to be a blessing to other people there. So again, if you and I are in the top 3% of the world's wealthiest people, what should our attitude be towards riches? How should we handle our money? How should we view our money? Is my money all about me? Is it all mine? That can be the view, the attitude that we can have. But listen to this. This is the, the view that we should have, the attitude, the attitude that we should have towards the money that we have been given. Number, number two, the second thought is this. The attitude that we have, Jesus teaches it to us in two parables about the attitude that we should have. Number, number one, the first attitude is this. We should manage our wealth with humility. Amen? My beautiful wife has some amazing friends in America. And um, that, I don't know how wealthy they are. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. They've probably got gazillions. I don't know. They're incredibly wealthy people. Incredibly. They're chains of, of, of stores that they started. I won't mention their name because I don't need to, or their stores, etc. But in a worldwide organization, I, I mean... If you could say to anyone they're rolling in, it would be these people, but you meet them. They are the most humble, generous, giving people that you'll ever meet because their attitude is humility. Amen? So look at this parable here, if you would, with me this morning, teaching about managing our wealth with humility. There's a couple of things we want to draw out, and then we'll be done very shortly. And that's a pastor just having a bit of a joke with you. Amen? It says this in Matthew chapter 19. It says, Now behold, one came to him and said, Good teacher... What things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Good question. Great question. So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good. Um, no one is good. One, that is God. But if you want to enter into eternal life, keep the commandments. He said to them, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, all the younger people. Amen. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But, everyone say but. But when the young man heard the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Some people can interpret this scripture here that you can't be wealthy and follow Jesus. But they missed the point here about this verse of scripture. The point of the story is this, is the man was possessed by his possessions. They were more important to him than following Jesus. He didn't have money, money had him. Hello? So Jesus hasn't got a problem with wealth as long as wealth doesn't have us. Jesus hasn't got a problem with our possessions. Amen. Glory to God. Wow. The stuff that we have. Glory to God. Flat screen, TVs, phones. You know, kids complaining because they haven't got the latest iPhone 7. Oh, my mom and dad hate me. How crazy is it? Jesus hasn't got a problem with our possessions. He hasn't got a problem with our money that we have. His problem is if our possessions possess us. If our money is more important than our relationship with God, that's a problem. So he didn't say that to be rich, you've got to give it all away to get to heaven. That's not what he was saying. He was saying to the young man, your money is more important to you than me. Therefore, until you deal with that attitude and humble yourself, you won't be able to go and enter heaven. Amen? So he goes on, Jesus, in this next little bit of... Is this helping anyone this morning? I hope so. I love preparing it. It's just awesome. But then Jesus, after that, he challenges the young man. He goes away very, very sadly because he had great wealth, as the Bible says. Then Jesus speaks to his disciples and says some profound things. I want to share it with you following on in this verse of Scripture here. And then, then he said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier... For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. If you're rich by that uh, literal interpretation, you're doomed. But I like what many scholars have brought out of that understanding there of entering through the eye of a needle. In Jesus' day, in his time, uh, as he entered cities, the cities would be surrounded by large walls, and at the front of the city there would be large gates. The gates would be open during the day. People would come in, do their trade, go back out to the surrounding regions, etc. But from um, some scholars, what they uh, 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 um, uh, discovered and, and um, uh, indicated, that rather than having to open up the large gates at night time, there were these other gates around the walls of the city called the Eyes of the Needle. And in order for the camels, as the camels would come in, in order for the camel to enter into the city through that small gate there, what they would have to do is to strip the camel of everything that it had on it, everything that it was carrying. It's, uh, it's uh, I don't know if they had saddles on camels, they probably had something, but they'd have to take everything off the camel, then the camel would have to get down on its haunches like this, and it'd have to just crawl its way through the gate. I believe Jesus was saying through that there, that it's impossible for a rich man to enter into heaven unless he has humility with the riches that God has entrusted to him. Amen? So the first attitude that Jesus teaches us with finances is that we need to have the riches that we have, that what we possess. Remember again, top 3% of the... You might have, you might have 
you know, $100,000 in your bank. You mightn't have half a million dollars equity in your home. You mightn't have the latest car, the latest, but you're still wealthy. He's saying we need to treat our wealth, our riches with humility. Amen? Don't allow pride to get in. What, is, what does pride say? All, all this stuff that I have, it's me. Pride says, look at all the wealth that I have and I trust in myself. Humility says, look at all the wealth God has entrusted to me and trusts in God. We can have riches, but only with great humility. Amen? Second little thought is this. We need to use our wealth for eternal purposes. We need to use our wealth for eternal purposes. Amen? There's another parable that Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 12, and it says this. It says, take heed and beware of covetousness. Covet. Young man, can you say it for me? Covetousness. I said it this morning. I said it correctly. Thank you very much. Covetousness. Beware of covetousness. <laughs> Stop laughing at me, Peter. Daniel, I can see you trying to hide over there. People, when they're laughing at me, they stick their head behind someone so I can't see them. But I get that because I see the... So I know who you are. Beware. Again, another warning. Beware of that. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke to them a parable saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger and greater barns. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many good laid, laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. I believe that Christians can do that. Just as unwisely as people of the world can do it as well. You are blessed today to be a blessing. Amen? But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then those things, which are, those things be which you have provided. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The guy had lost sight of what his riches were for and continued to lay up more wealth for himself. There were no eternal purposes for his money. No giving to those in need. No investing in the lives of others. No supporting the work of missions. No sponsoring a child in need. No tithing to the local church. Wow. Is your money all about you this morning? Is it about you this morning? Storing it up. Getting more and more and more. For what purpose? For what reason? Jesus teaches us here. That our wealth is for eternal purposes, amen? And the issue isn't that the man's field prospered, okay? The issue isn't that the man's field prospered. God wants us to prosper, but the issue is that God ceased to be his supreme treasure. You're going quiet here this morning. <laughs> the issue wasn't that he prospered. God wants you to prosper. The issue was that God was no longer his supreme treasure get it so if you're blessed this morning here ask yourself is is my is god more important than my possessions you know how you probably answer that 
if God asks you to give it all away today, could you do that? What are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm not trying to embarrass you or anything, please. You don't look like you'd be embarrassed in a positive way. The Holy Spirit, God, confidence, all that. That's what I'm talking. Amen. Hallelujah. You got it? Glory to God. How to offend guests in 30 seconds. No. You know, you know what I mean. But could you? That there is a litmus test. That's the test there. Wow. Goodness me. Wow. Holy Spirit. Astounding. Astounding. So the issue wasn't his fields prospering. The issue was God ceased to be supreme treasure. Jesus goes on to say something that we need to understand. He says this at that last part. He says, So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So I thought, what does it mean to be rich towards God? Being rich towards God, therefore, is the heart of being drawn towards God as our riches. Our riches ain't in our riches, brother, sister, you. Our riches is in God. The picture, different. But too many people have their heart in their earthly riches. To be rich in God is to place all of our value and our understanding and our riches in God. Amen. He's our supplier. He's our source. He's our provider. Amen. He's everything. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a clap this morning. Jesus, we thank you this morning for our heavenly Father that loves us with an eternal love. Amen. Rich towards God means moving towards God as our riches. Rich towards God means counting God greater riches than anything else on the earth. Rich towards God means using earthly riches to show how much we value God. This is what the prosperous farmer failed to do, and the result was that he was a fool and he lost his soul. Wow. Getting an amen down the back there from baby Zion. Well, eh, I think that was an amen. That's close enough. So I conclude this morning. I don't believe that Jesus told us that we can't be rich or have great possessions. I don't think that that's, I'm, I'm convinced that's not the message that he's trying to relay, but I believe he warns us to make sure our riches never become more important than our relationship to him. In fact, he starts the parable with, Take heed and beware of. And beware of. Oi. Take heed and beware of. Oh, you're not getting it, mate. You're a bit slow in Queensland. Oh, I've done it again. Two people. You're leaving. No, we love your work. Don't leave. He starts that parable with. You know, don't covet. <laughs> I got it. 
don't covet. I want more, I want more, I want more. I want what he's got. I want she, what she's got. I want the latest fashion. I want the latest car. I want the big house. I want the big boat. just goes on and I just want, I want, I want, I want, I want. But 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. The key to receiving more from God, more from God, more, more of his presence, more of his power, more of his anointing in our lives is to be thankful for what we have now. Amen. Amen. You be thankful for what he's given you now and you be a good steward with the stuff that he's given you now. He will give you more. Amen. Hallelujah. But if you try and chase it just because you're coveting, you're just, it's what everyone else has got, you'll go off track. You're fool. Imagine being called a fool by the Lord. You're fool. Today, tonight, you've lost your soul. Astounding thought. Amen? Astounding. All right. We'll finish. We go wrong with our money when we think our money is all about us. This is exactly what the rich person did in the text from James. In the beginning, James chapter 5, verses 1 through to 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul brings another warning around the issues of riches and warns us against the love of money being the root of all evil. Money is not evil. It's the love of it over our relationship with God that will lead us astray. Yeah? But the antidote, to keeping the love of money at bay is tithing, is giving, is being generous with the money that God has given us. Amen? It's tithing, it's giving, it's being generous with the money that God has given us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every week I come, we come as a family, we come as individuals, we make a statement with our giving, I'm a steward of what God has given me. Amen? Your giving, your tithing is so powerful. Many people don't realize how powerful it is. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be as well. Every week, we come, we bring our, our tithe, we bring our gift into the storehouse. Hallelujah. We're making a statement, God, you are first and foremost in our life and in our money. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is. Hallelujah. I don't have to try to get to here on the church on the Sunday morning. I have to try and love God. My heart's connected because my finances are going in that direction. My treasure, my treasure is pointed towards heaven. Hallelujah. You hear what he said? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Powerful. So it's coming. It's, 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 it's giving. It's being generous with our finances. Not, not unwise, but wise. The treasure is in you. Amen? So God wants us to prosper. God wants to bless us. We need to expect and believe and thank him for all that he will continue to pour out of our, uh, over our lives, we must always remember we are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. We must always remember, no matter how much we may receive and continue to get from God, and he blesses us with opportunity and jobs and, 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 and just unique opportunities that come our way, as we receive that, we just go, God, thank you for the treasure, but my treasure is in you. Hallelujah. My treasure is in you. Glory to God. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. And today, Lord, as we gather around this thought of riches and finance, thank you today for all that you've blessed us with. Thank you today that you intend to bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. If we be in this place this morning, Lord, and we have 
too tight a grip on our finances and we just in our minds and our hearts we just think that they're ours help us to relinquish that control help us to go today lord we entered into this world with nothing we will leave this world with nothing as well and that we are stewards over everything that you've entrusted to us we are your stewards and we thank you for this opportunity hallelujah while heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning if you're here and you've never made jesus christ your lord and savior you've never asked him into your heart you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin you know this morning that you're not right with god you're here today and you've never ever encountered the love and grace of god through his son jesus christ then this morning while heads are bowed and eyes are closed i would love to pray with you this morning and lead you in a prayer that will change and transform your life while every head's bowed would you just raise your hand this morning if you're here and you need to ask jesus christ to be your lord and your master or you're here this morning and you know in your heart you're away from god there's some stuff that's got in in there and it's been keeping you away well this morning this morning if that's you this morning if i could just see your hand one more time as i look across the room thank you i see the hand thank you i see the hand there thank you anybody else this morning as well anyone else hallelujah hallelujah that's awesome that's awesome well they look up this morning someone will come and gather around those folk that have put their hand up amen we know there's some folk over here which is wonderful hallelujah glory to god are you happy come on if you're happy and you know it oh gee. <laughs>